Test one, two, one, two. Yay, thanks. I'll let you mute it until time.
Okay, welcome back to Lighthouse Community Church, and we are in the study of Revelation. We're going to continue the conversation. We're glad you are all here tonight, and it's good to see all of you. What I can see, the lights are a little bright in my eyes tonight, but that's okay. We are actually in the second chapter of Revelation, verses we're going to be looking at the church in Smyrna. Is that correct, everybody? Please tell me. Yeah. Okay, I have too many friends out there. That's my problem. So I, I just want you to know that Pastor Eric covered this in very well on Sunday. And when he was doing it on Sunday, he had some interesting thoughts. And one of the biggest things about the church in Smyrna is this. Is this church was about to face um, tribulation for one reason and one reason only. And that's their belief in the Lord Jesus. That was it. Because you see, many times... How many of us have done this? When we all of a sudden we realize, oh, we're going through a lot of trouble or hassle or something, we may say something like, why did God do this to me? You ever done that? You ever said, God, really, why God? You know, we always want to know why God did this. And, it, and, and when it, what it comes down to is, I really would like for us to remember something. Whenever you feel pressure, especially any kind of pressure in your soul that's going to hurt you and, and you start asking God questions, when you feel that pressure, please understand something. The first thing I'm hoping, I wish we could get in our heads is this. It's not because we're doing something wrong. It's because we're doing something right. And not only right, but right for the Lord Jesus. Because my dear brothers and sisters, and, and even and for everybody on mine, please get this. When you're in the service of the king, when you're doing the Lord's work, the target on your back grows. Excuse me, just a second. Mark, I got a little ring, so if you could figure out either, uh, you know, some you could bring that down a little bit. Thank you. Um, so we have, we have a way where that when you're, when you're going through something like that and, and you're in the service of the king, the target gets bigger, things like that. Sometimes it's because we make our own mistakes, set ourselves up. You know, you're, you know you're going into a situation where Jesus may not be welcomed. Let's put it that way. And you know that you shouldn't be there either. But we go anyways. For, and we always have a nice justification. Well, I have to be a, a, a witness and show love to my friends and family, all that stuff. Well, those things are different. When you set yourself up for failure, something happens, blam, then you come to the Lord, repent, ask forgiveness, and we start over again. And that's what makes God the most happy is when you come back. But in this instance, here's what's going on with the church at Smyrna. We're going to start reading... Um, from the 8th verse in chapter 2. I think you may have already heard this once, but that's all right. We're going to go through it again together because I love you all dearly and I want to make sure you get it. How's that for an excuse? Because Ken made me read the wrong scripture a couple weeks ago. Here we go. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers, 
will not be hurt by the second death. Isn't that amazing? There's only three verses here, but there is a lot of stuff. And Pastor Eric on Sunday, as he was going through it, he had a lot of things to say, and, it would, and he was trying to unpack that as best he could. So I'm just going to bring up a couple of little things. And he and I talk every week, just so you know. And I always ask him, you know, what do you feel like you didn't get to cover as much as you wanted to? And he says, I didn't like this part much, so please cover that. And so that's how we get to this Wednesday night. And so before we get to, to release you off into the, the life groups for discussions and unpacking a little bit more with each other and, and get to hear from uh, different perspectives from each other, I want to be able to just share a couple of things with you. So what I said at the beginning is true. The whole purpose in them having this tribulation in Smyrna was because they were followers of Jesus. Because... There was a time when the devil wanted to make sure that everybody who was going to follow him knew his agenda, and he did give it away in the book of Matthew. Let's, let's look at our, our Wednesday night notes, okay? Um, because on my Wednesday night notes, you're going to see up there, it says, I know your pressure. Flipsis is extreme pressure. Flipsis is a Greek word that means so much pressure that it would squash something unless it was trying to reveal something. Coal, when it's put under extreme pressure, becomes very good. Diamonds, and that's correct. You know, and, and when fire is hot, what does it do? It purifies, makes everything golden and clean. And that's where we're at here. Because so when we understand that if we start... <laughs> My, one of my kids used to walk around when I talked about flips this before. I walked around and I said, I said, are you doing okay? What did you do? Because I could tell they were feeling guilty. And I can remember my middle daughter, Julie, looking at me and I had been teaching on flips this in my church there. And she just looked at me and she goes, flips this. What did you do? You know, she's in trouble. There was extreme pressure. It wasn't my fault, Dad. There was extreme pressure. Really. My hair is green because somebody dared me to do it, and there was extreme pressure in making me give that way. Yeah, anyway, teenage, yeah, there you go. That was slipsis. You know these ones. So, anyways, that's where we get to. So, let's look at four helpful perspectives in dealing with extreme pressure. Number one there, understand who is the real target of the enemy. Christians in Smyrna were targeted from Satan purely because of their faith in Jesus, and I'd already said that. Here's number B. This is important. Jesus is always the first target of Satan. Like Eric said, you want to get to a dad, what's the best way? Hurt his kids and his wife. Come after my wife and I come after you. Come after my kids, I come after you. For some of you that grew up in less trouble than Bill, you will come after them in a different way than I probably would. <laughs> so... You keep your way and it's probably a lot safer. So anyway, what my point just is this. If you want to get to somebody's children, anybody else around them, then what happens is you fire up the parent. Our creator is like that. He knows us. Over the few, next few months, we're going to see how much he loves us through the study of this book. And in fact, he loves us so much that he can tell us when something's going to happen. But he loves us so much and he's so proud of us for the fact that we have scraped knees, scarred bodies, and sometimes we have tears. And he loves us because we turn to him in those times. 
If you want to know what makes God smile, it's not when you fall down, my dear ones. It is not when you fall and stumble and you mess up. It's when you're beaten down and you get back up. Or you get up just on your knees and open yourself and say, Lord, please come to me now. Jesus, I want to be in your presence. Please give me the strength to keep going. That's what makes God smile. If you look at Matthew 4, 8, and 9, Jesus is at the end. You don't have to turn there now, but if you look there, it's the third of the temptations that Satan gave to Jesus when he was in the wilderness. Remember what the third temptation was? Does anybody remember what he said? Bow down before me, and I will give you all of this. He showed us his hand. What he wanted was not for Jesus to live, die, get buried, rise again, and then give eternal life to all of the souls of humanity. What he wanted was for the Son of God to bow his head, to show vengeance towards God the Father, and destroy Jesus so that he could take over humanity and steal it, the hearts of all of you and me, away from God. That's his purpose. So when these Christians in Smyrna were doing this, and he says, do not fear the tribulation, because some of you are going to get thrown into jail. He knows us. He sees our works. He knows our faith. He knows our service. That means he watches all the time. I brought this up one night in a Bible, in a, in a small, other small group, and he said, I said, guys, you realize what that means, that I know your works and your service? I said, that doesn't mean that I, I see your works of service in the daylight. <laughs> that I see your works of service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. I don't know about you, but there are points in my life when that can make me a little nervous. You know, not that there are times when I shouldn't be doing something when I'm threatening somebody for trying to hurt my children. But, on the other hand, is he's always there. Whether we want it or not he's always there let's look at number two while the pressure may be painful it is purifying like we said a diamond is made from pressure and yet it comes out something so beautiful because during that pressure all the garbage is burnt falls off flakes away and everything else and it when you watch the movies of how a diamond is made to to see that they put this black lump of coal in there they're in there and then they start the pressure thing and then they show what it goes through and then pretty soon all of a sudden you see this incredible rock that comes out of it it's amazing how pressure can beautify and in order for coal to turn to a diamond, all impurities must be removed through the extreme pressure. And my dear friends, if there is a task, if there is a heart, if there is somebody that you need to reach for God, if there's a way that God can, can help you to become even stronger, bigger, better, more effective in your life than you are, there's going to be times of extreme pressure. Everybody know the story of Job. You know, Job was a very faithful man. And if you look at Job 2, you don't have to turn there now, but I'm just going to go real quick through it. But in Job 2, all of a sudden, the angels are getting summoned before God himself. And in that, as they're being summoned, Satan comes along with them, which always amazed me. 
it's almost like he had to have permission to go before God because he'd already lost the battle and he got thrown out. So he had to have permission to come back. While he is there, Satan is in a corner looking smirky and trying to see who he can target. Thinking all the time that God doesn't know what he's thinking. That's, that's the amazing part. It's like he can do something without God seeing it. I don't understand that part. And, and that I, I, I tried to look it up and see where that is, but trust me, it's, if I couldn't find it, it's, it's going to be very difficult to find. But my point is just simply this. At one point, God looks at him and says, yeah, but have you seen my servant Job? He is upright, withstanding, loves me above all things. And of course, the devil gets all smirky and snarky and says, well, of course he does. You protect him. You won't let nothing happen to him. Let something happen to him, and the first moment he can, he's going to curse you. God says, really? Yeah. Now, who knows Job better, the, day of the devil or the creator, God, Jehovah? Really? Give me a break. So he says to him, oh, really? Okay, well, okay, go ahead and take a shot. You know, you can't kill him, but you can go ahead and take a shot. Everybody says to me then at that point, they go, why would God let him do that? And I want to say this. Because of the flipsis, God knew that under extreme pressure, Job was going to be the greatest testament and testimony to God Jehovah above all others. Because everything Jehovah went to, it happened three times, Job was, they had that meeting, and finally everything was taken from Job. And at one point, Job finally gives up, rips his heart and says, ashes to ashes, I am the same, I was naked when I was born, I'm naked before God. And the last word on my lips is going to be praise for my Lord Jehovah. At that point in time, then everybody knows what happens. He gets a hundredfold back from what he had before. We cannot understand and know the mind of God. Quit trying to. All we can do, all we can do is stay faithful so that we understand what and how he wants us to do. Does that make sense? That's a sentence I just made up. I kind of like that. But I'm telling you, it, it's, it, we, just, we just have to know that we can do what we can do. And God knows what we can do. The best part is, if I'm feeling extreme pressure, instead of saying, why God, what are you doing? Say, hey God, what are you doing? If you think I can handle this, then you're going to have to show me why. Because I have done that before. I've said, I know in this book here, it says that you won't give me more than I can handle and that you're proud of me and that you only allow things because the fact that you know I can do this because you need me to do it to be able to help somebody else later. But I have news for you. I don't think I can do it, Lord, so you need to show me how this is going to happen. And yeah, he always wins. That's all I can say. Every time I've made that challenge, I've said, okay, really, if that's going to happen, then this has to happen. And then when that happens, okay, well, since that happened, then this has to happen. I think after the second or third time, I feel a little sense in my heart going, Bill, do you really want to keep going like this? At some point, you have to say, yeah, okay, God, I get it. Now I'm done. I, I'll go do what, you know, you and me, we're still on the same page. I'm going to go do what you told me to do. If we please understand one thing, number three, Jesus has the final authority over the pressure. The good news to the Christians at Smyrna who apply 
which applies to us as well, Satan can only give the pressure what God allows. See, he can't do any more than God allows it. So if God is allowing things to happen in our lives, we need to step back and go, okay, I can't do this. And God's saying, oh, no, I already know you can because I put the stuff in there to make the thing work. So I know it's going to work. I built you. You can make this work. At what point then, my dear family, do we sit back and say, well, God thinks I'm pretty cool. I could do this. Instead of, I, I, I can't do that. I want to whine. I don't want to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, we learn how to appreciate God, God's trust and love and confidence in us more. Oh my goodness, what will happen to this world? We want to know how to be more effective in a witness and how we can do and how, what we can do. Yeah, do that. I, I would challenge you just from now until next Wednesday. Here's a challenge. And now even for people online, here's a challenge. Let's try this. For the next seven days, not out of our mouths, not one time can we say, why God? Instead, we're going to say, what God are you trying to teach me? I don't see anybody writing. What God are you trying to teach me? Thank you, Rachel. What God are you trying to teach me? God, what are you trying to teach me? Because in those pressure moments is when you're the most vulnerable to hear God's voice, to hear you teaching you. If you would stop whining. You ever get, those of you that have kids, you ever want to look at them sometimes, well, if you'll just stop whining, I can tell you that I already did what you're asking and it's there. But instead, they think that they've already know. I already know mom and dad didn't do that. So I'm going to talk about anybody now. I want to do that. I remember my grandson one time. My family loves when I preach, by the way, because I use, they made me such great examples. And what can they do? I can't help. Eric, can you help it? You can't help it. <laughs> my, oh, they don't. Okay. Here's the thing. I can remember one time my grandson, he's like five or six. And we said, Dylan, you have to pick up your toys. He falls on the floor. He says, my arms quit. I forgot how to use my arms and my hands. You forgot how? Now, he had just been eating cookies and everything else. We're like, you really forgot how? Yeah, they don't work anymore. I don't know how to make them. I can't pick up the toys. And I can remember his dad saying, if I spank your behind, you're going to learn how to work those toys. And then he gets up. He goes, oh, I just remembered everything. And he gets up and he starts picking up. If we can, in God's eyes, start remembering how to make things work, go into this book when we need to, relying on him when we need to, do the whole listen in prayer that we talk about, trying to hear his voice. If we can start hearing that and listening for that and saying what instead of why, I just would love to hear some stories between now and next Wednesday. What's going to happen when you start, start asking God what? That's a great one. Glad, I, glad God gave that to me right now. I won't even charge you extra for that one. You could have it for free. Number four, there is a reward for those who endure. Jesus says, be faithful even unto death. Remember what Paul said? If I live, 121 is the passage, Colossians, what did he say? For me, to, I count all blessings, yeah, for me to live is 
Christ. To die is gain. Very good. So here's the point. So if I'm faithful unto death, if I die, I have to go to heaven to be with Jesus. If I live and I share Jesus here and someone else comes to Jesus, the joy that I feel of bringing somebody into eternity and changing somebody's eternity is phenomenal. See, guys, it's not always fun, comfortable, and one of our we're not always happy in it. But at the same time, while we're doing it, it's hard, it's tough. Being faithful unto death. He's telling them it's not going to be easy. Then in number B down there it says this, and I will give you a victor's crown. How do I explain what that is? At the end of every race, what happens? Somebody gets a trophy, gets, you know, the crown. Sometimes they'll put the flowers in the Greek games, in the, in the Olympics. They'll put, you know, all kinds of things on them. They put ribbons around with big, heavy gold medals in them. They do, they do all kinds of things. But at the end of everything, there's always, whenever there's a competition, someone, there's winners, people that come out, the victory, and, and they are the victors. They are the ones that get the prize. When you get this prize, there is no prize on this earth that will compare to this. The victor's crown he's talking about is because when a king is crowned, what does the king own? <laughs> the country, the whole everything. The king owns it. The presidents don't. That's a whole different ballgame. But when a king is crowned of a country, the country is basically theirs. They can say, I want to buy that building. Oh, wait, I don't have to buy it. I just want that building. And it's theirs. I have to let you know that not only is a victor's crown for you, but the greatest gift of all came out of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should perish will have everlasting life. And even the one next to it. Does anyone remember the one after it? 3.17. Not Paris, Pastor, you don't get to speak. You're all going, shh, Pastor Eric will step up for us. Yeah, I know. For God did not send his son into the world. Go ahead. That's right. But that the world through him might be saved. You see, we have to understand and know one thing. In God's pursuit of us, even Cain and Abel, everybody thinks, yeah, you'll be in big trouble for killing your brother. Well, today, yeah, you will. And you did back then. And it, it, when Abel killed Cain, he thought for sure that he was going to die. Right? Did he die? No. God said, I'm surely not going to kill you, but you are going to live your days in some hardship. Please know, our God allows U-turns, and we're going to get to some of that later on, and we're so grateful he does like we did last week. See, the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. That's, that's bigger than anything else. Verse 11. Because the second death, as Pastor so well explained it, is the first death is when it's physical. The body dies. We all know that this body is going to, because of what 
diseases, whatever. And some of us have treated our bodies very badly at a very young age. It may, may not last as long as others, okay? But on the other side of that coin is when you have the spiritual death. I had a man tell me, but that's okay. I know I'm going to hell, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a party with my friends. And I had to tell him and say, young man, can I just, without judgment, I want to explain what hell really is. Because I kind of did a little bit of research on it. I want you to understand, here's what hell really is. Hell is a place without God. That means total darkness, total silence, total blackness, and you're just there. You hear nothing, see nothing, say nothing, know nothing, anything. You're just there in torment, alone. We cannot fathom what it is like to be without God because praise him forever, we've never had to experience that. So my point this week simply is this. Life without him is lonely, dark, and never satisfying. Life with him is not always easy, pleasant. You're not always in a blissful state of, oh, let's just bounce through the fields of flowers and have a good time. But anything that you do go through, you never have to go through it alone. Saying his name reaching out to him, he will let his presence be known. That I can guarantee you, Eric can guarantee you, Pastor Jeff, we can all tell you that we have enough experiences between the three of us to tell you that in the darkest days, he is there. The last two things on the page. We know that the pressure only increases. And the Smyrna Christians' faith and vitality continued. Can we say the same? Will we always be able to say the same when that pressure continues? Can we say the same? And the final question, as we see, the pressure will only increase as the day of Jesus approaches. How will you live amidst the pressure? That comes from Pastor Eric. How will we live amidst the pressure? Because if we make that decision now and prepare for it, when the pressure comes, we will know. There's a little asterisk at the bottom of this because I, I did look this up to just to see. You may ask if the church at Smyrna endured under the pressure. Yes, they did. In fact, Smyrna is the only one of the seven churches that still exists today. Seldom during the last 19 centuries has the pressure lifted for the disciples there in Smyrna. It's still just as much pressure. But Smyrna is now called Izmir. You can look it up in Turkey. And is a very significant, a strong center of worship. And I've had friends who've been there, by the way. It's a strong center of worship for Eastern Orthodox education. And they still teach the faithfulness of God there. You see, my friends, we may be thinking about today... We may be thinking about tomorrow or next week and our calendars will show schedules all the way up to the end of this year. Truth of the matter is, we have no idea what's going to happen. God does. 
and he trusts it into your hands. He wants each one of us to know and realize that one thing above all else, stay faithful to me and you will get the victor's crown. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for an amazing day. It was hard. It was tough. So, Father, I would ask, what were you trying to teach me through this day of these tough things? And as we look at this challenge for the next seven days, maybe we can ask, God, what are, what are you trying to help us learn and know? And then we need to ask God, if we learn this, what do we get to do with it? That's even more exciting, Father. So I lift up all of these who are here tonight. I lift up all of the ones watching online with us, that you would fill those households with your Holy Spirit, that they would feel the presence of the great physician where he is needed. That as you provide for these families, they would know and give you the glory and the honor for everything that you are giving us. We ask now that as we break off into our life groups and our family discussions, that you would help and guide our words, that we would hear into our hearts what you would have us know and understand and remember through the lives of the Christians at the church at Smyrna. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. For those of you online, we're going to stop the stream here for the next few weeks until we get through chapter 5. God bless you all for watching, and I hope that you understand and know that each week we'll be here to bring a recap of last Sunday's message. If you have not watched it, I would uh, challenge you to go back and, and hear Eric, Pastor Eric preach on this very topic last Sunday. There are some questions that he will give you. If there's material you need or if there's other questions you have, please go to pastor at lighthousecommunity.com and give us a, a note and say, hey, what about this? We would love to hear from you. We've answered quite a few already and we love getting those notes. So please, let us know how you feel, and if you have needs or prayer requests that you would like for us to pray for, we also pray every Wednesday morning. So please, let us hear from you. And we invite you to come in anytime on Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless you all, and may God's blessings be with you in all that you do. Amen.